Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So happy that many of us are finally realizing that the the products and the things that we use every day aren't good for us. We just assume they are. If it's on the shelf, we think that our government has vetted it and approved it and everything's great, but they're not really looking out like you think they are. And that's why there's a great company I want to reintroduce you to. We've talked with her before and she's back with us. It's called Aspire and it's all different types of products for yourself, your family, cleaning, your home. They're natural, organic, and we're going to dig back into that with Julie Smith and she is the owner of the company. Julie, welcome back. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. And ever since we started talking a while back, that's all I do is look at uh, the ingredient panel and try to figure out what the heck is in stuff. And on the organic side, I just want to share something because it blew my mind the other day. This is food related, but when we're talking organic, this is it. Yeah, no, it's very important. Food is most of what we buy. So yeah, we eat every day. (laughs) I'm driving back from dropping my son off at... uh, uh, Boy Scout camp. He's an Eagle Scout. He he works there, and awesome. There's a farm stand, and uh, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, let me pop in there. They have raspberries, so I get them. I cannot even describe how amazingly wonderful and delicious they were. Nothing like the stuff I buy in the store. Nothing like even the ones that say organic in the store didn't taste as good as these. It was like candy. They were like soft and mushy. And it was just like, I, I had to push myself away from eating the entire carton. And the price was the same as in the store. It was like $4.99 for a quart. Um, but that was, again, my reaffirming how important using organic products are, organic food, and just keeping it on our radar. Because I can't imagine what we're eating in the pesticides and all that other stuff in the, in the food chain and not to mention, you know, the products that we're using, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And it's, and what you were experiencing too is, um, is a gigantic thing with food and that's the importance of eating local when we can. Um, So obviously we can't grow raspberries locally, you know, in your neck of the woods, uh, probably in the middle of winter. Uh, We certainly can't here in Colorado, but um, but buying them um, locally from a farmer's market or a food stand or something like that, you will get fresher food than you ever would get. Um, we experienced that with tomatoes. You can't get those grown here in the winter either. Um, hothouse tomatoes, yes, but getting a tomato with a bright red center in it, even if you buy them from the grocery store and let them sit, you know, for a few days and let them get, they'll never get red in the center. Nothing like the ones we grow in the garden or that we buy locally that have a completely different tomato flavor. The tomatoes that you buy in stores they're practically t- flavorless compared to what you get when you buy them, you know, and it's, it's just amazing. So that, that's a huge deal um, is uh, buys local. It reduces the footprint of transportation. What they do is they pick things early and they, you know, before they're really ripe um, so that they can transport them basically is what's going on with that, with food. Wow. So with fresh food. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so they do pick them pre-ripe and then they ripen maybe to different extents and a lot of them don't. And a lot of the strains of vegetables and fruits are grown 
um, for long-distance transportation in mind and not necessarily for flavor or nutrition. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you, uh, so you got you had a firsthand experience there that I hope. And I'm glad to hear that you're looking at labels and things like that because that's what I wanted to talk about now specifically. We have a couple prog- podcasts left, and um, I wanted to um, finally talk. I talked about why I started Aspire, our shipping practices, our zero-waste practices, the importance of organic. So now let's talk about how Aspire products actually um, make a difference with that. So we talked about, you know, getting off a single-use plastic, which is 10% of our carbon footprint um, in the U.S., and it really is. The all-in footprint is absolutely absurd. And if you could name a corporate big corporate product that's not designed for single-use um, um, containers, whether it be glass, aluminum, tin, plastic, paper. Um, yeah, I challenge you to do that. Uh, you, you know, it's just like it just doesn't happen. So um, everything that ha- that Aspire has is designed to be refillable. So that's what I want to talk about. I also want to talk about the actual products, and we'll do that first. But um, the sure. fact that the products are organic, they are natural. Um, simple, basic, and then we already just talked about the containers. Um, so um, what do you like natural? Let's start there. You see natural. When you read labels, you see it all the time. Oh, this is all natural. This is natural. And I just wonder, you know, what, what does that imply to you out of curiosity? I would, my first thought is the ingredients, and I have to separate it from organic, but I, I, I would say Ooh, that's good to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Differentiate there. But uh-huh. natural to me is no preservatives, um, things that are found in nature, if you will, as opposed to chemicals mm-hmm. that are in there and those things that you can't pronounce. Um, I would think, mm-hmm. the, and obviously natural is better for you. Uh, but mm-hmm. Am I, am I in the zone there? You are. And it's typical kind of what most people think. And that's why I asked was to get your wording about it. Um, You can label practically anything as natural. If if you think about it, um, you know, even a product that has um, synthetic dyes that are non-biodegradable, um, that are made from petrochemicals, uh, <laughs> like purple dye, you know, for dawn detergent or something. Um, they can still call that natural because of the uh, oils that they use to actually make the soap, those kinds of things. So they they use it as a loophole. They use it to make it sound earthy and to make you feel good and like you're doing the right thing buying it. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and it is, it, it's just it's funny to see that um yeah anyway but it's all it can be a play on words as well because you know how many we've talked i believe before about organic where the label says contains organic ingredients well that's great one of them is eight of them aren't yeah (laughs) but but yeah exactly our wonderful Mm -hmm. government and not getting political here allows that to slide by and that's okay you can put that oh on. it's true it's true and it it's it's uh those are just loopholes to watch out for sure and actually i use that very loophole because i am not big enough to justify spending you know thousands of dollars a year to get my products organically certified and that's what it costs the usda does not do organic certification they recommend engineering consulting companies to right. do that 
But and so I cannot say, oh, this product's organic on my label. I can't do USDA organic certified because I'm not. But what I do is I star, I asterisk my ingredients that are organic. And in my case, it's most of them. And about all you can do when you look at a label is just look at the back and see how many of those ingredients really are. So it's just another label read exercise. Um, that um, yeah, and it's a good point. Some things, yes, they like to. It's just another thing to where they want to make you feel really good about buying the product. And there may be a lot of organic in there, or maybe not very much. <laughs> and yeah. it's true. So um, yeah, and then the other one is um, simple and basic. And that's something that I'm really proud of with my product. So we already like it. So a product, can, you know, a um, label can say it's or you know has organic ingredients. It can say it has natural, and still have a lot of really nasty things in there. Um, and um, and so then then we get into simple and basic. I and don't so see that as often. Um, and I, and I believe it's because that's open for wide interpretation, simple and oh, basic. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I remember there was a comedy skit with uh, the great George Carlin back in the day, and he was talking about all these advertising terms. <laughs> and one of them, uh -huh. I'll never forget, chocolatey goodness. Chocolatey goodness. And what does that mean? There's no chocolate in it. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's chocolatey just is just what, what what is that word? It's not it, it's not saying that you know there's chocolate oh, in there. Um, so that yeah. you know that being said, simple and basic. What what is simple? You know that's open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. You know was it made mm -hmm. in a simple way? Is it is it what's basic ingredients? That's another open yeah. to interpretation there. Mm hmm. And what I'm trying to, I actually use simple and basic. I use all of these. It's just that it's it's just funny yeah, but you're how real. Uh, you're real. <laughs> how they're slanted. Yeah. So that the only way to know that is to read the ingredients. So it gets back down to things like um, my soap, which I talked about kind of way early, um, and I'll talk about it again probably next time. But um, there are two ways to label a soap bottle. To make soap, you need a cost. You need caustic and you need oil, and they react, and you end up with soap. And there are two ways. One way to label soap is the way Big Corp likes to do it, and that is to um, run off all these complicated surfactants that get formed when you react the caustic with the oil. The kinds of things that only an industrial uh, chemist would ever recognize as even being in the surfactant category, much less what it says, you know, sodium tocopherol, sodium tarate, and all these others. And you can do the same thing with essential oils, you know, um, and uh, like every one of them um, has a uh, a chemical um, name, um, or you can just say what the stupid oils are, so people know what you're talking about. So my label, instead of saying that, my label actually says, you know, canola oil, safflower oil, soybean oil, all organic, hemp oil. Yes, there it is. And then potassium hydroxide is the surfactant, and then you star it and say. And if you look at an MSDS for potassium hydroxide, that's the most uh, horrendous thing a soap maker has to ever handle is that because it's a strong caustic and it will just eat you up if it gets on your skin. So oh. if you look up the like material safety data sheet, you'd be horrified. Oh, my gosh, it's in my soap. No, it's reacted to for with the oils to form the surfactant. So you put a star on there and say it's reacted 
there's none left in them. There's no residual in this product that was used to make it. And so this illegal way to label soap. And so that's to me. And then I say, you know, it's peppermint oil. I don't say it's like Pepreta menthalis or something. It's like nobody would know what that is, but they know what peppermint oil is. Sure. So that's why I've tried to like keep things simple. And there are no weird chemicals in there that people can't pronounce. <laughs> and so that's what I mean. That's my personal take on simple and basic. And that's how I present it. But it's and that's not. My, and also, if I can, and if I can make it in my kitchen, it must be simple and basic. <laughs> and that's my perception. So, when you say simple and basic, yeah. I am thinking of things like, mm-hmm. um, like peppermint oil, things that are, you know, basic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So the let's talk about the the types of products because you know we've talked about yeah. it before, but we haven't really gone into the detail of um, just. Mm-hmm. Going back to them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's start with the tooth powder because tooth powder is something that people have a tough time kind of getting their hands. It almost, when you say tooth powder, I've had reactions like, you know, what am I supposed to powder my teeth? Does it make them white or whatever? <laughs> and, and all it is, is a sim- it actually really is the most simple and basic thing you can do other than just using baking soda to brush your teeth, which actually is very valid. It's just to be the cheapest, simplest, most basic way to brush your teeth is just use baking soda. And actually, The truth is you could actually just use the toothbrush and some water and go a long way towards getting your teeth perfectly clean. But here in America, we're used to, um, used to, uh, something just a little more than that. We like a little mouthfeel and we brush our teeth and make some, we like a little freshness in our mouth and so on. So what I've done is come up with a compromise product and it's not, it's too, basically all it is is toothpaste without the water. And without uh, some of the weird chemicals that big corps like to throw in their toothpaste to make it uh, actually to differentiate themselves, to differentiate their product, to make it seem special so that you can't get this with any other product. And you must always buy Crest. You must always buy Colgate or it won't be the same, you know, kind of a thing. So that's what it gets down to is differentiation and competition and marketing um, as far as additional ingredients when all you really need is baking soda. So I've kind of I'm kind of in the middle. Um, so tooth the be- benefit of toothpaste bleh, without the water, excuse me, is that um, now you don't need a toothpaste tube. Toothpaste tubes are known not to be refillable. They usually you can't squeeze that you know you can't squeeze that last five to ten percent of the product you bought out of there. You're paying more than twice as much for the product just because of the tube, and then now you can't recycle it. We put 900 million of those in a year in landfill here in the U.S. alone. They have layers of plastic and aluminum. I actually have a blog on my website where I describe exactly how one is put together and what we are wasting. So if you don't want to be a part of that, tooth powder is a good way to not do that. Other than, like I said, getting real basic and buying baking soda in a box. So what I have done is I've made... A powder. I have baking soda and I mix it with tartaric acid, which is an antioxidant that's, uh, uh, that's, um, a byproduct of winemaking. And, and when that, so you have a weak base. Baking soda is a weak base. It has a high pH, but not very high. Okay. And then, um, and then you have tartaric acid, which is a weak acid. And so there's just a little tartaric acid in there. And when they're dry, they just sit there in the bottle. But when they're, uh, but when you put them on a damp toothbrush, 
they fizz and give you mouthfeel and because they react when they hit that water. And so you get this nice mouthfeel. And then I have a little guar gum in there too, which is just a natural polysaccharide that's um, also, it's derived actually, it's squeezed out of a guar bean. <laughs> so that's pretty simple too. And um, it gives you kind of a little thicken, thickener mouthfeel. Um, so um, it just kind of holds those, you know, so when you get the fizz from the, um, from the soda, so baking soda and the and the um, tartaric acid, the guar kind of thickens those bubbles a little bit, um, and it really does give you a mouthfeel that's a lot like toothpaste, only so, without the water. And then I just season them with essential oils. I have peppermint, and I have um, um, wintergreen, and then I have a cinnamon clove for people that don't like um, mint or people that don't like mint. So, but basically, this is what the bottle looks like. Is just and so all that's in there is just some powder, and it's as simple as just taking. I've got like a little uh, top thing there, but you just take it and just dab it onto your toothbrush. It's pretty simple, just like that. And there you go. And it doesn't take very much either. This bottle that's refillable it has two ounces in it, and it takes about um, oh a couple of months, two or three months really, to use that up. And then what I have is, and then I also offer for, for plastic averse, I have a, a tin um, version. So kind of a little scaled up version bottle. And then I have refills that are just in mason jars. So that eight ounces, mm. that's enough to probably last one person a year. And then I have 16 ounce and the 32 ounce mason jars. And with mason jars, you can actually just use them. You can um, use them on your end for canning or to put something else in, you know, uh, they'll last forever. And, um, and, or you can send it back and I'll refill it. Um, and then you don't pay for the jar itself. The jar itself costs about two bucks and the product that's in that jar costs about nine bucks. So you save a little money. Now, when you get down to these smaller jars, you're paying twice as much for the container. You're, this is, I call this the use container because you don't take this jar and dump it on your toothbrush. It won't work very well that you take, you put it, take from that jar into this jar. And then this is the one that sits in your bathroom. And then this one sits in the storage cabinet someplace and you refill it when you run out. Um, so there you are. So questions on, on the, the tooth powder, Julie, does it have those ingredients there that give it, you know, some substance and everything you're talking about? Is that what we're talking about where you just add the water, the guar gum and all of that? Has that been already added to it in the powder form? I guess I don't understand the quest. The water's just on the toothbrush. So you never add water to it. You just put it on a damp toothbrush and then that's when it contacts the water. Okay. Does do that you, make sense? Yeah. And do you think that some people, when they hear powder, they're like, oh, I don't know what that's going to feel like in my mouth. Well, Yes, it, it, that's what everybody at. That's what everybody says. And, and, and <laughs> until they until they try it. And and, and when I was, I, I think I was a teenager when I tried baking soda to brush my teeth, and I was like, "Wow, what a difference in terms of it having." I don't want to say abrasive because that's just not the right word, but you know, some well, substance it is. to that's, it. Very that's mild, what it is. super mild abrasive coming from the <laughs> uh, baking soda. Not the best flavor, but I felt like my teeth were clean. Oh, yeah, because that's all you really are doing with any toothpaste. So when they say, oh, toothpaste, these are going to save your teeth, you know, you're going to, there's, you know, it's not going to, um, if you have, um, 
teeth. Um, gosh, what's the term? There's a technical term for teeth that are really super sensitive. Okay. And they have all these sensitive, they've got these chemicals in there. I mean, you can buy a tooth um, like Crest has a, a um, pipe that's for sensitive teeth and yeah. they have some chemical name that you can't pronounce that's in there. And I looked it up and cause I, I, um, uh, let's see. Oh, we were cleaning out my dad. We lost my dad a couple of years ago. We were cleaning out his house and, um, and I took care of all the products cause I'm very fanatical about not putting things in landfills. So I emptied every single one of those <laughs> and that stuff. I looked up the MSD on, S on it and it was like, I didn't eat, I didn't want that going to landfill. I didn't want it going down the drain and people are using that in their mouths. And what I did was I put it in my chemical box to take to, um, um, they, we have a uh, company here that takes things that you're not supposed to put in landfill, like paints and toxins and different things like that. And you schedule, you go and, and take it to this drop off location and then they incinerate it with Seacrest. Um, which is a national incineration company <laughs> and they incinerate. And that's where I took it because I wasn't comfortable even putting it in the landfill. Oh. It's like, this is awful. Well, you know, and you, people you, put that in their mouth and they think that they're helping their teeth. And it's like, that stuff does, none of that stuff does any good whatsoever. I have a little bit, that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> now you're know, making you're me think. Teeth you, teeth. I think that when people have sensitive teeth, here's my opinion. I think they're using too much big core products, and I think that they're fanatical teeth brushers. And I mean, you don't need to brush your teeth after every meal. I think that, um, and then plus, I think another thing that's going on is uh, mouthwash, which is about one of the most god awful things we can put in our mouths. And if do people do that, that does more harm than good. It kills the bio in your mouth that you actually need to do the the um, um, to break down the enzyme the enzymes that do the initial digestion of your food that you eat it happens mainly in your mouth. So you really are not doing yourselves any good whatsoever, killing it by putting mouthwash on there. So I think there are a lot of things that play into sensitive teeth sure. that I don't think it has anything that I don't think toothpaste is going to save us. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying now that now, yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> deeper about it. And once I, I bought a sensitive uh, teeth toothpaste, because um, I thought, you know, it's like, hmm, it's, I feel a little sensitive. And I, it's like one of those, let me treat myself and pick that one up. But when you think of it, it's just more chemicals. And like yeah, to your exactly. point, brush yep. softer, maybe not as often. Yeah. And on the mouthwash mm -hmm. front, people do that for fresh smelling breath. Floss your teeth. That's where the that's what's going on. The the bacteria mm -hmm. typically is living in between your teeth because you didn't floss, and that's where the odor is coming from. <laughs> it's like simple stuff here. Um, let's let's. I don't want to. I don't want to run out of time, but let's uh, pivot yeah. to another product. Okay. All right. Let's do. And um, I think I guess we probably have time for just one more product today. I would think. But, um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we we actually have like yeah. three minutes or so left. Okay, well, the deodorant's pretty quick. So, you know, there are all kinds of deodorants. Not one of those. Uh, I don't think you can uh, challenge you to name a single uh, deodorant container that is recyclable. <laughs> um, and, uh, sometimes you can see, but uh, but I have a very simple product, um, and it's just, um, I'm going to pull this. This is my little tester product that I have in my home shop. 
but that is deodorant. It is a spray deodorant. You can take the top off. You can refill it with this guy when you're done. And it's the most, um, so that's just 16 ounces. And again, at least a year's worth, if not more. But this is the simplest product. If you want basic, simple, this is what's called ethanol, which is the same alcohol that we drink in booze. And it has been denatured. So to be able to sell it without having to pay double for the alcohol tax for like if you buy Everclear or something, which by the way, you could make this at home by buying Everclear, pouring it into a spray bottle, putting in the essential oils of your choice and spraying away. The alcohol kills the biomass and then the ascent and then it evaporates pretty quickly it's alcohol and then um and then you're left with a little essential oil and then i have a dab of hemp oil in there also for an emollient on your arms the most effective possible way that you can spray it's simple it doesn't leave residue white residue on clothes there's no aluminum or silica or things that shouldn't go down the drain what is silica um, i don't even know what anyway. that is <laughs> i know well actually silica is the most abundant mineral um, on our planet, it is rock. Silicon dioxide is basic quartz. And then when you start getting into like different colors and kinds of rocks, um, you know, there are a lot of different kinds, but but the lion's share of it is quartz, basalt, those are all silica-based. And what they've done with silica, what Big Corp has done, is they've made it, they make it, um, they react it with organic chemicals to make desiccants out of it. And those do not, they're in the personal care, desiccants in personal care products that are silica are like the bane of wastewater treatment plants. Because what happens is when you try to do anaerobic digestion at a wastewater treatment plant, the purpose of recovering the methane, which is the same as natural gas, it's just that it's coming off of wastewater, super valuable resource that we don't usually use in this country. But still, when you try to do that, Silicon from um, silica from personal care products plates out and tries to turn back into rock and it plates out on the inside of all the pipes, all of the pumps, all the equipment, and they've had to abandon um, entire facilities that are meant to recover methane because of silicon dioxide and silica desiccants and they're all in personal care products and they are absolutely unnecessary. They're ridiculous. So that's that's something that this deodorant gets you away from anything to do with that. There's absolutely, trust me, no silica. I'm a wastewater engineer at my core, and I do not, I will not mess with silica. And, and why would and you want to put that on your body? Reasons. Why would you want to put that on and your body? People don't yeah, know. Yeah, not it. Yeah, if you know, and and really, I don't know that it would really hurt anything. It's more about with silica. It's more that it's just absolutely unnecessary. Why make it? Why create a market for it? And when it washes off, it doesn't absorb into our bodies. It goes down the drain when we take a shower and it goes into the wastewater treatment plant and it trashes everything. So why? Mm. (laughs) How do we find these products? We're out of time. Um, Great, great background. Great detail. How do we get you? Yeah. All right. Your your website. Tell everybody. Oh, oh, you said how do we get you? I was like trying to listen. Uh, Yes. uh, AspireColo.com aspirecolo.com all the information about what's in our products and what's not in our products and why is on there under the transparency tab so take a look yeah and and that's the part i love best about you and all your knowledge and and your goal of making us healthier and our environment healthier is the transparency it's all there there's no smoke and mirrors there's nothing this this is good stuff 
And uh, it's been tested and proven that way too. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for being here and for all the details and look forward next time we talk. All right. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Thank you. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. They'll challenge your authority. They'll try to break your will. They'll push you to the edge of your sanity. Because that's what kids do. But this car is your territory, not theirs. Defend it. Who makes the payments? Who cleans it? Who drives it? You do. That's who. And in here, your word is law. So when you say you won't move until everyone's buckled up, you won't budge an inch. Until you hear that click. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup.